Two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend. Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky on Super Bowl Sunday. Those of you listening to this will be hearing it the day after, I guess, Victory Monday for either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But we are a hockey podcast. My name is Nick Berlansky. And as always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat. Horwat, how are you doing today on this Super Bowl Sunday? We don't have the traditional afternoon Penguins game today on Super Bowl Sunday, so... Yeah. It's boring. Where I'm watching <laughs> Ovechkin do things, and I'm and I'm sad about it, because instead of Pittsburgh getting the tradition this year, it's uh, those scumbags in Washington and Philadelphia. It, they couldn't even bless us with like a Washington Buffalo or a New Jersey. Oh, wait. Yeah, New Jersey's not playing at all. Neither is Buffalo. Oh, yeah, they were the other team. <laughs> and we'll get into that a little bit later in the NHL's schedule changes that it implemented over the weekend and kind of their blueprint, which they've kind of showed their hand at this point on how they're going to fix COVID-related issues, at least early on in the season. But we'll get to that later. Before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about the Penns Islanders matchup that happened on Saturday. And again, before that, we also want to mention one thing. I know the last couple of weeks and since the season started, I've been throwing in things about the Iron Penguin Award. And if you're a newer listener, you might not understand exactly what that was. For some reason, last year and last season, me and Horalt were talking about Iron Man streaks in the NHL. And we decided, you know what? We're going to make an award called the Iron Penguin Award. And it's for any player that plays every single game in a season. Last year, there was only two winners. And that was Marcus Pedersen and Teddy Bluger. Pedersen already ineligible for this year's Iron Penguin Award winner. So in just 11 games played for the Penguins this year, they are down to 10 players left who are eligible for this coveted award, as we like to call it. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust, Teddy Bluger is up for back-to-back years if he can continue to play in each game. Mark Jankowski, John Marino, Jared McCann, Brandon Tanev, and Jason Zucker. So those are the 10 players that are still eligible for the Iron Penguin. But I just realized that I've been mentioning it since the season started, and I haven't really reiterated it for our newer listeners that weren't with us last season, what that is. So just that was just a quick FYI. Figured I'd throw that in there at the beginning of this episode. Absolutely. And John Marino is in there by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, we mentioned COVID-related issues. Luckily, he was fine, did not test positive for COVID-19. He did have a close encounter, and which is why he was placed on the COVID-19 protected list for the NHL last week. But luckily, the Penguins did not play a single game while he was on that list, and he was able to play on Saturday night and played 
fairly decently on Saturday night from what I saw. But let's get into that game now. The Penguins dropped another game, this time to the New York Islanders, 4-3 to to bring them to 5-5-1 five, five, and one on the young 2021 season. Horwat, before we get into the game itself, Latang and Mike Matheson were welcomed back to the lineup. Zach Aston Reese is close to a return. We can probably expect him to play this upcoming Thursday in their next game because, yes, it is going to be another five days until they hit the ice again. But Latang and Matheson were welcomed back to the lineup. How big is it for the Penguins to get healthy right now, on the blue line especially? On the blue line especially. It's just good. I mean, you don't want to see your – when you go into a season with your starting role players, you don't want to see them go down with injuries because that's not what you want for your team. That's not the team that was designed to be on the ice. So it's kind of just essentially – People are getting healthy, and that's a good thing for the team. There's not much more to it. I mean, say what you want about Latang's Latang's play this season so far. Say what you want about Mike Matheson, period. They're starting NHL defensemen. They are not Kevin Churchman. They are not Cody Yannick Cece. Weber. Yannick Weber. Listen, no- Cody Cece. Yeah, and, and nothing and, against and, those guys I just said. I mean, they're obviously better at hockey than I am. But these are guys that are better than those guys. It's just, it helps the team out more. Mm -hmm. And for Cody Cece, I'm glad you actually mentioned that. If you follow friend of the show, Jesse Marshall on Twitter, you'll see that Cody Cece, while the optics might not be perfect all the time, has actually been putting together a fairly good season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So as far as it seems with the way that he's played and the way that he's been deployed, about 10 minutes, 11 minutes a game, and he is always in the plus category when it comes to possession time and when he's on the ice, how well his the team at least looks. You can't really say too much about Cody Cece's performance number-wise. Now, I test, yes, I get that he does make some gaffes, but he's been one of the most steady defensemen for the Pittsburgh Penguins numbers-wise and especially analytics-wise, which is completely, sounds like blasphemy to even say, but at the same time, the numbers don't lie right now. <laughs> the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you. Um, it's... Interesting watching CC be decent because it is a limited role. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like when we deployed Jack Johnson on the first line or when the Leafs put CC on their first line last year. That's what you have to do with these guys. These are not bad NHL players. Okay, they might be bad in terms of seeing them on the ice play horribly and give away the puck every other chance they get. But again, they're still NHL players and they can make it in the correct role and in the correct system. Like... Cody Ceci may not have worked in uh, in Toronto. From what I remember, though, he was halfway decent in Ottawa. And now maybe it's just... And every team's got a different system. Who knows? Maybe just bringing him into a limited role in a new system in Pittsburgh is just what he's been needing. I mean, he's a veteran of, oh, how many hundred NHL games now? 500. Is it five? Good for him. Mm-hmm. That's That's a hell of a number to reach. A lot of people don't get that. He's... Whether you like it, like him or his play or not, he's done enough in his time to reach 500 games and not be a healthy scratch when Mike Matheson comes back. Yeah, he has done enough to be over top of Kevin Churchman and Yannick Weber, which is not the most ringing endorsement because you would figure the next time any defenseman comes back, whether that be Brian Dumoulin or Marcus Pedersen, that Cody Cece might be the guy that gets the chopping block, but who knows? If he keeps playing the way he has, there's something to be said about him playing over Chad Ruedel, maybe. But yeah. there's definitely nothing to be said about him playing over guys like Marino or even Joseph at this point, who just continues to impress. And we'll get to that 
in a minute. But before we get to that, there was a goal scored before P.O. Joseph notched his first. And if there's anything that is consistent about the Penguins versus the Islanders, it is death, taxes, and Jordan Eberle because he scores two in the first period again to put the Islanders up two to one going into the first intermission. But he just continues to be a Penguin killer. You would imagine it seems like whenever he plays the Penguins, you would think if you didn't watch the Islanders any other time that he would be a Hart Trophy candidate (laughs) in every single season. But he seems to only do this against the Penguins. I would love to know, and I guess we could reach out to our friends at the Never Say Die podcast, the Islanders podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. See, if he plays like this against anybody else, because he is a superstar when he plays against the Penguins, apparently, and he continued that on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, in so that was their 10th game for the Islanders, and that was Eberle's fourth and fifth goals on the season. So... You average it he out. averages it's, a goal every three games, and then he scores two in the first period against us. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is just the Penguins. It's it's clockwork, man. It's wild. And, yeah, to, both of them assisted by Del Cole for his first two assists of the season. Just interesting stuff from Jordan Eberle. You forget he was one of those core guys that the Oilers had a long time ago. He was a number one overall pick, was he not? He was up there. I forget if it was number one exactly. He was in that span of time where it was... The Oilers were getting every top three pick and flubbing them entirely. RNH, Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, Nail Yakupov. Yeah, all those those picks. And now still they only have what RNH left. So it's definitely... He definitely is still a good player in this league. Yeah. I thought he was a Derek Brassard type. But Derek Broussard, as we know, doesn't play well whenever the Penguins are out there unless he's in a Senator's uniform. So it's really strange that every time we play the Islanders now, Jordan Eberle seems to find a way to make his name on the score sheet. And it's not always just, oh, he, he, he barely got it in the net. No, he always has a really pretty goal against either Tristan Jari, Matt Murray, whoever is out there. But he continued that on Saturday, and it is definitely frustrating from a penguins fans perspective it's very frustrating i don't know what more to make of it i mean it's just what's expected every time you see him get the puck and he comes flying in for some reason we can't stop we stop people from flying in all the time i watched oh who was it i think it was i think it was po joseph i watched him shut down matt barzell you don't have to hit someone you just skate in their lane you take away their speed the only way that they that you don't take away their speed is if they notice you're doing that and they just turn on a dime. Most players really can't do that. Connor McDavid can do it. Matt well, Barzal probably can do it, but he may he likes to use his speed more than his agility and will just try and boom past you. Whereas if you just take a step in his lane, it's he's gone. He's into the boards and losing the puck entirely. That's something I think it was Joseph that did that beautifully. So I mean, Eberle's not too much of a speed guy, but when he plays us, he comes flying around. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to like really watch, just step in their lane and you're good. I've I've watched this team play the Blackhawks, our kryptonite, for however many years now. And I've watched us shut Patrick Kane out, still lose the game, but shut Patrick Kane out. You want to know how? You just put someone on him. That's all you got to do, and then they're, they're useless. Same thing with Ovechkin. Pop someone next to him, they can't do anything because you don't want to give these guys space and that's 
we don't give Eberly space, but he's figuring it out. And it's amazing that just because of his performance against the Penguins, we have to talk about him in the same light as a guy like Alex Ovechkin or Patrick Kane. But against the Penguins, he is usually that good, and it makes no sense. It's it's mind-numbing to think about a guy like Jordan Eberly being the caliber of player that he is on a normal basis, which is not a bad player. It's a decent player. Yeah. But then against us, he just takes it to that level where it's like, yeah, he does things against us that other players can't do. I mean, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, but even the Penguins can slow down Connor McDavid to a better extent than I've seen them slow down Jordan Everly, And that just might be how often they see him. But at the same time, it is mind numbing to watch. Yeah. Jordan Everly, by the way, 22nd overall in 2008. First round. Okay, so he was pick. a first round pick, not a first overall pick. That makes a little bit more sense now. But one guy that you mentioned there that shut down Matt Barzal is P.O. Joseph. Yep. And while we thought a couple of weeks ago, or at least a week ago, that P.O. Joseph had his first goal in the NHL, other than the fact that it was deflected, we now know that he does have his first goal. Nobody deflected that one. Just a perfect shot, top cheese, beat Semyon Varlamov, beautiful goal set up by the man whose jersey I have behind me, Jake Gensel, who had a pretty good game himself. And P.O. Joseph gets his first career NHL goal. And what a beauty of a goal it was, too. That was just mwah, chef's kiss as far as goals by a defenseman go. Felt good for him, too. I mean, it's what we've been waiting for. We knew it was coming eventually. And he rung it. I mean, yeah, he's a defenseman. He isn't going to score much, but he's a defenseman that has the ability to s seemingly do everything on the ice like i just said he's shutting people down who can really skate he's putting up points he's i don't know what his blocks are i remember i was writing about him last week and he didn't have a block yet which is strange for a defenseman but um those numbers will probably just take place themselves they'll grow on their own mm -hmm. but i mean other other than obviously getting in front of the puck I mean, he's a small guy maybe he's just missed not saying he hasn't been trying, but um, yeah, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in this lineup anymore. He has been consistent. He's been he's fast too. That's one thing I noticed last game. This kid has speed. I don't know how or where it came from, but I watched him over these last few games. I just watched him just outpace other players, and it's looked good. Like we have a fast defensive core now with him and just injected into it. Yeah, he's definitely a lot better than we took him for. And here's the thing. I'm going to give a hot take now. Okay. Because it might be a little premature, but the way that I've seen this season unfold, and if you're going to make ridiculous and crazy moves, you're going to make them this season. And I know that at the beginning of the season, we were talking about when John Marino would take over for Chris Letang. And as we saw last night, Chris Letang and P.O. Joseph were playing on the same line. And I think that continues that way up until Brian Dumlin is healthy. And then I think they'll put Dumlin and Latang back together. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to deployment, why not put P.O. Joseph and John Marino as your top line and deploy them as such? We saw on Monday's game, John Marino play one of the best games against the New York Rangers that we've seen all season. And he was deployed for 30 minutes in that game, which is a bit ridiculous when you think about it. But that was also because you had guys like Yannick Weber and Kevin Churchman as your third pairing. But with all healthy, does it not make a little bit of sense to see this season if you can put a guy like John Marino, who is coming around in his game, 
and a guy like P.O. Joseph, who has been the most consistently good defenseman for the Pittsburgh Penguins so far in just a short amount of time. If you give those guys, I'm not saying 30 minutes a game, but give those guys the first pair defenseman minutes, and maybe when Dumoulin comes back, Latang and Dumoulin get a little bit of a demoted role in that sense, you would think that would help. And then you have who Cody Cece or Mike Matheson and Marcus Pedersen as a third pairing. That to me sounds good. It might be premature, like I said, because you're putting two young guys into a role that is a pretty big, especially for two guys that have not combined put together two seasons worth of hockey in the NHL. But it almost seems like P.O. Joseph is ready for anything because of his poise and the way that he conducts himself on the ice. And we saw John Marino do it last season, and it looks like he's getting back to that. And neither of them would have to play on their offside. So I think that's a good idea. What, what do you think about that? And it is a hot take to me. I don't know if it is to anybody else. But what do you think about possibly when all healthy, maybe Marino and Joseph get that number one defensive pairing role? That's the hot take part of your statement there. I agree with what you're saying and making those two line mates. I like that a lot. I like having those two as the defensive pair. It's the top line part that really sets this statement apart, and it's kind of hard to dissect because we've seen Latang play damn near 40 minutes a night for how many years now? We've seen Dumoulin. 40. I'm just saying a large number. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen um, Dumoulin be by his side for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And granted, I've said before that Latang's game is going to regress at some point in the near future. So eventually he'll be on a second line. I don't fully disagree with you. I like the idea, especially because we want a younger, faster you know, group of guys out there on the ice for more time. And making, giving them first-line minutes does that. Um, and we just don't know what Dumoulin's going to look, look like when he comes back because he hasn't looked great so far. So, you know what? I don't totally disagree with it. I just, I just don't see it happening. I like the idea. I like change because, I mean, at this point, change might help. You know, bring Latang's numbers down a little, giving those guys a little extra, giving uh, Marino and uh, Joseph a little extra time. Maybe that helps the team in a way. A little bit of change isn't going to go, isn't going to, what am I trying to say? A little bit of change is going to be pretty good for us, I'd say. So, yeah, I like the idea. I don't fully disagree. I just don't see it happening. That's all. I like the idea and probably, it's probably well-deserving. But give it some time. We'll see. I mean, if not this year, how about next year? I mean, really? Yeah. Because at that point, we'll see. We'll have a whole other season of Latang under the belt. Maybe even not have Latang on the team. Who knows what the hell's gonna happen? Yeah. So a lot of moving and shaking could happen. So I like the idea. I mean, if not this year, it definitely next year. I'll fully agree with you. Next year, for now, I just it's just strange for now because it is the old stalwarts and. We know that sometimes Sullivan can get set in his ways as much as as much as we tout him for not doing that. Sometimes we, you know, he can. So, yeah, I just I like the idea. I don't fully disagree. I'd say it is a hot take because you brought the first line part of it in. And the deployment is the more important thing. I really don't care about titles. The mm-hmm. deployment is what I'm looking for. Maybe giving them the 26, 27 minutes and Latang down closer to 19, 20, which is, yes, it's a hot take. And yeah, it's probably not going to happen this year. But as you mentioned, there's plenty of time. Mm-hmm. John Marino's six-year extension kicks in after this year. P.O. Joseph is still, I believe, 
on contract for another year, and I would doubt that they would let him go anywhere else, especially the way he's playing right now. So there is time to institute that. But let's get to the rest of the game. As a whole, I think the Penguins had a much better effort than Monday against the New York Rangers. They had a much more productive offensive night, of course, not just because they scored three goals as a pair as compared to the one on Monday, but they just looked a lot better. They controlled the pace of play. They controlled the puck. They kind of just toyed with the Islanders at points during this game. And even the fourth line in the first period had some jump. Then it kind of faded into non-existence, which is going to be a problem going forward. But I think for the first line, especially, and even the second line as well, they played really well. The first line, again, especially had a very good night. They had a lot of opportunities. They controlled the puck a lot. The first line of Crosby, Gensel, and Rust were the top three in Corsi last night. And that's not even a... It's obvious because of how much they controlled the puck and how many good opportunities they were able to get out there. Now, unfortunately, that only led to two goals. But that's two of the three goals. Yeah. They had opportunities to score a lot more. It was one of those nights that you would think, well, Crosby's going to get three points, but he still only ended up with one. But the problem being that your bottom six, although it has overachieved so far, it can't do what it did on Saturday night, especially with the way the schedule is going to look at the end of the season. I mean, it's kind of the story of Sam Lafferty's career. You come out. You look so good in the first period, and you're like, wow, we can roll four lines, and we're going to have chances out the wazoo. And then for some reason in the second and third period, whether that be because of the score or whether that be because of just overall deployment, the fourth line doesn't seem to be able to get anything going. They seem a step slow. That's what we've seen from Sam Lafferty basically in every game he's played in the NHL so far, and it's what the whole fourth line did on Saturday night. Yeah, Uh, and you mentioned – Sam Lafferty. I'm also leaning towards saying, man, does Drew O'Connor need time in the minors? Like, actually. I get I get he was good enough to make the taxi squad like that. And I get we saw John Marino make, you know, the pro squad right out of camp in his first year here. That's not going to happen every year, though. And we love Drew O'Connor on this show, and we will for a long time coming, I'm sure. I, Whenever they said he was on the taxi squad, I was excited for it. But at the same time, I'm thinking, all right, let's we. He's jumping from college to the NHL, and he played a couple games at Wilkes Barre last year, but not not too many. Not enough. But like, you know what I mean? It's just we're jumping from that college to the NHL. Is that really the jump you want to make that quickly? Yeah. In a season like this, no less. It's just strange. I mean, I was excited for him, and it was fun to see him kind of, you know, be on the ice and get his first career point going. I just think it might be time to just, I mean, can, yeah, we can put him to the minors for a little bit, um, bring in, like we have, I like our taxi squad a lot forward wise. We have guys that, um, really know what they're doing. They have NHL experience. Maybe it's time for a guy like Frederick Goudreau to step in, especially with Jared McCann, maybe being hurt. I think the only thing that injury does, other than severely handicaps the Penguins' bottom six right now, is it guarantees the return of the Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brandon Tanev line. Forgot about Aston Reese, too. Damn it. And it guarantees that both O'Connor or not both, either O'Connor or Lafferty are going to have a spot. Because otherwise, I think it's about time we see Colton Sevier back in there. Oh, yeah. Give him a shot again. Yeah, see, I'm forgetting and about then, him too. Yeah, and then one of them get to stay because of the injury to McCann. Yeah. 
And honestly, it'll probably be Sevier first, just because we don't know if Aston Reese is actually fully healthy yet. We don't know what the hell's going on there. I thought he was yeah. going to be out until, like, March. I don't remember. So did I, but there was also, there were reports that he could have played last night, but they still wanted to have it, let him progress. But now that the next game's not till Thursday, you have to imagine, especially because he's traveling with the team and practicing with the team, that he's probably going to be looking to get into the lineup on Thursday. Yeah, and that's, I'm fine with it because um, I think he, you guys, I mean, I've seen you and a bunch of other people talk me into Zach Aston Reese <laughs> um, having a spot on this team. So I'm cool. It'll be fun. And, a little more defense on the forward side is something we could use. Yeah. Especially because our defense isn't really doing much in the defensive-wise. Exactly. For right now. And, and a lot of that is due to stupid mistakes. And that is something that killed the Penguins. Like I said, they had a much better effort overall throughout this game. The game looked more fun for once. Yeah. It was, a, it was not hard to watch yeah. like Monday's game against the Rangers was. But the problem was they get the 3-2 lead in the third period and then all of a sudden it seems like their hockey iq just completely took a jump out of the out of the building because you have the penalty that was taken by bluger but oh sorry let me back this up actually yeah the play by chris letang on the tying goal what are you doing oh yeah because yeah the guy got past po joseph i can't remember who it was i think it might have been barzal actually he got past po joseph but joseph knows how to recover from that he took a good angle and yeah, the pass got out, but that was the only pass and the only play that Barzal was going to be able to make. And instead of cutting that pass off by Latang, he decided to go and try to help somebody who didn't need help, leaving Cal Clutterbuck wide open in front of the net who Latang knew was there. So I just yeah. don't understand the logic there. Again, it was a mental mental lapse, and it seems like it's something that Latang has been doing a lot more often, going back to my hot take. If you give him less time on the ice, it might be less to think about, and he might make less of those mistakes, but I won't harp on that too, too much. Um, so that was bad, and yeah. all of a sudden it's tied. And then the mistake by Bluger with less than four minutes left, you take a delay a game penalty. Not only is it a stupid penalty that the Penguins have taken way too many times this year, they've been called for delay of game and too many men on the ice far too many times this season. But to take it with four minutes left and to be one of the best penalty killers on a team that is struggling on the PK, yep. they lost that game on Saturday because of pure stupidity in the last half of the third period. They were winning that game. They were dominating that game. But the, the stupidity and the lack of hockey IQ to close out that game is the reason they lost. It has nothing to do with the effort. It has nothing to do with the skill set of the other team or the skill set of the Penguins. It was just blatant, stupid mistakes. Yeah, I and when you were bringing up the Joseph thing, he got beat by, I'm assuming it was Casey Sezikis because he had the main assist. It was the it was their yeah, fourth Sezikis. line out there. They're not... It was all of the... It was Kyle Clutterbuck's first goal, Sezikis and Martin's first assist, all on the season. It's a bunch of ones next to names on that goal, so let that settle in. Yeah, you're going to get beat sometimes. Joseph is going to get beat sometimes. I just went on about how he stopped... Barzell on a couple occasions, but couldn't stop Tzizekas, apparently. Who cares? So you're going to get beat by guys. Latang's got to be smarter than that. That's the end of the story there. Latang knows you're going to, should know. You're going to get beat. Make up for it. And, and just, aside from that, I mean, the Bluger one, yeah, you just got to be better. That's all there is to it. It's got to be better. I don't know what else we expected. And speaking of penalties, what the hell was that four-on-four four penalty? 
I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I really did not have any idea, and, and it, it sucks because the Penguins, who worked... I mean, any anybody who reports on the Penguins will tell you how much they worked on the power play. Yeah, I was dying Penguins, to see it. The Penguins had no opportunities. Even though they didn't get that opportunity, though, you could tell that the message of shoot more was very apparent in this game. Not only did they get 30 shots on goal, in certain instances, specifically Malkin's goal. First of all, nice to see Malkin score at 5-on-5. Five five. Now we just need Crosby to score at 5-on-5 five five for the first time in the season. But... Malkin's goal, he gets that opportunity from a nice pass from Kapanen. Even let's not take too much into account the fact that Malkin made a great play on the forecheck to even let this happen. But Malkin makes a great play. Kapanen makes a good... Kapanen makes a good pass. Malkin has the option to either shoot or pass to Zucker. And what we've seen so far this season in the first 10 games is he was going to try that make to make that extra pass to Zucker. And that's what I thought the second he got the puck. And then he unwinds a shot right into the top corner, similar to P.O. Joseph, and it's a tie game. And it's like, where has that been? Where has that willingness to just release the puck and just let it go towards the net? Because guess what? Even if he wouldn't have scored, there would have been a rebound. And Jason Zucker is one of the best players on the Penguins when it comes to picking up rebounds and putting them in the net. So that you would think would be the easy play to make and the easy thought process to have, but that's one that the Penguins and specifically Malkin haven't had this season. So it was nice to see that actually take place. It was nice to see that it seems like some of the coaches' comments have kindly, finally been taken to heart by the Penguins. And it showed on Saturday night. And that's why the Penguins were more fun to watch, as you mentioned. They were not just mind-numbingly turning the puck over and not getting shots because they tried to make that pretty play or pretty pass. They were just getting it on net. And it created chances for the second line. It created a goal for the second line. And it created chances and goals for the first line as well. So it was nice to see. Yeah, it all looks good. I mean, uh, on the broadcast, I think Bob Aries said that um, at one point, yeah, Malkin and, Malkin and Zucker did overpass something. But I think it was well into the second uh, second period. And Bob Aries said that's the first time tonight they've overpassed. So we know that they've really um, taken to heart this whole shoot the damn puck thing, which is what we needed. <laughs> But, I mean, like we worked on the power play all week, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We had a lot of time off. We've worked on the power play the entire time, it seemed. I was excited to see it, to see it have a chance, have an opportunity. <laughs> and we didn't get it. So hopefully we're going to continue to work on it and have uh, something even fresher going into <laughs> Thursday. But just for a second, that penalty, though, that the penalty to make it 4-on-4 genuinely what the hell happened did you see like any of the replay because no one caught a replay of it no I didn't, I didn't see it the ref initially put marino in the box and then it was matheson that was in there like he called number six on the penalty and matheson sat in the whole thing had me so confused and <laughs> for what it's worth jari was in the middle of stopping a two-on-one yeah Everything was looking good. It looked like we were actually about to turn it around, too, because I think whatever defenseman was back was about to pick up the puck and turn it around. But I don't know. Uh, That was just wild because no one had any replay on it. And there was just penalties called for whatever reason. (laughs) Yeah, it's NHL officiating. You're never going to be able to understand it, so don't try to. That's that's my philosophy. Yeah. What did they even call it? One was, like, interference and... Holding? 
I think that I think that's what it was, but Hell, it was... anyway, I digress. We can move on. I'm just the one last thing I had on this game was actually Tristan Jari. If there ever was a Jekyll and Hyde performance from him, it was Saturday night because he would make great plays, be in great positioning, sprawl out to make an amazing save, and then there'd be goals like the first Everly goal, and then there'd be stuff that happens like the fourth goal for Anders Lee, where it just squeaks through for an inexplicable reason. It seemed as if he looked like all-star Tristan Jari at points. And then it seemed as if he looked like Philadelphia Tristan Jari. Those are the two. That's Jekyll and Hyde right there. There's all-star Tristan Jari and Philadelphia Tristan Jari from the beginning of this season. And both of them were on display on Saturday. So it's nice to see that he's at least trying to find his form a little bit. And you're getting shades of what sent him to St. Louis last year for the all-star game. But he still needs to round out that game have a full game where it is all-star Tristan Jari and he needs to make saves and, and have better positioning than he did on some of these goals because the goals that he did give up were pretty atrocious this on Saturday yeah I definitely thought he played better I mean he was making big saves and that's really what mattered I think that he was at least looking good and building confidence granted you let in the squeaker at the end that one hurt I mean yeah Anytime we give up a goal, you immediately start looking around at, all right, what could have been done better? You're not trying to place blame, but you're like, all right, what needed to be done differently? And that's how you should be running. He seemed like he was able to know what he's been doing wrong and learn what he's been doing wrong at the beginning of the season to make big saves. He still looked all over the place at times. Don't get Mm -hmm. me wrong. I mean, I think Eberle took a shot. He had already had two goals at this point. Eberle took another shot, and you just see – I swear I saw Jari just stutter on his feet all over the place and just not know what to do with it and was looking for the puck on the rebound because he knew he stopped it but didn't know where the hell it went. So he definitely still has to reel it in a little. But, I mean, for what it's worth, yeah, it was another one-goal game and another game where we couldn't stop the damn puck. Gave up four goals. Still nothing under two. It looked better, I guess. Did it? Did it? If it didn't, tell, yell at me, and I'll be like, yeah, you're right, it didn't, because it kind of didn't, because no, you can't give it, up four goals. It, it did look better, because whenever he wasn't giving up the four goals, he was making good saves. It's not like he was getting much help from his defense in that game, and there were some good plays and good defensive plays made, but the opportunities that he made saves on that were prime opportunities were great saves. It was 10 bell saves. So it is better. It's progressing, but here's the thing. It's a short season. We're going to say it. We've said it so many times. We're going to say it again. We should probably make it into a damn t-shirt at this point. It's a short season. You cannot take your time getting back to all-star form or at least getting back to a form where you're making those saves. You're stealing games for this team because this team is going to need some times that a goaltender steals a game. Casey DeSmith has done the bare minimum to win the games that he's won. Tristan Jari, the games that he has won, has done less than the bare minimum. So can we at least get to the bare minimum before we before we even try to take that next step to getting a goaltender that is in the top 10 in save percentage or goals allowed average, which is where my bar was for Tristan Jari at the beginning of the season. As of right now, that's not a bar that it looks like he's ready to he's he's ready to meet. So we'll see if he can get better with that. Before we move on and talk about the NHL schedule changes after a quick break, The next time the Pittsburgh Penguins play will be Thursday against the Islanders once again. But at that point, it'll have been 12 days since their last win. Uh Now, they are only 0-2 in that stretch. So they've only played two games in those 12 days. 
but it feels a lot longer whenever your team takes this break not coming off of a win we felt it between monday's loss to the rangers and saturday's loss to the islanders and because of the way they played on monday it felt even longer because it just everything was negative and now luckily they played well on saturday even though they didn't get a point they didn't get the win they played well there's good things to go from and there's a little bit of hope that the pittsburgh penguins are going to be able to get it back on track so hopefully thursday they can go out there and they can beat the team that they outplayed so much on saturday yet still lost to but if not i mean the penguins right now are one five and i don't know why i have it the way that it is but that they're one in five in regulation they're one they're one in five in regulation they're five oh and one in overtime or four oh and one in overtime excuse me I, I don't know why math's not working for me but they have one regulation we have one regulation win. that's the that's, long that's and the, the short thing. of it <laughs> that's, that's all you it need is. to start doing that a little bit more especially with the way the schedule is laid out right now yeah and part of it is what did i say before man we gotta limit a team to two goals yeah let's start there let's not let's not start trying to get our shutouts one goal game limit them to two start there we have seen this team the penguins score far more than that i think what we have one goal in one or two games this year so far we know yeah we know we can win the horse race if we can just you know hold it down on the other end we get that going we get goaltending going Jari specifically, and then the defense in front of him. We could be winning blowouts and having real discussions of um, being in the top one, two, three teams in the division. Yeah. I mean, remarkably, as of the time we're recording this, they still sit in fourth place in the division, which is a playoff spot, but, which makes no sense. But, but they're also one point ahead of every other team. Say, but every team is 500 right now, at least in the East. Yeah. So, however the hell that worked out, I don't know. Because that just doesn't seem like it should happen because you're only playing those teams. Math is math. Games are weird. <laughs> and this is why we play them. Every yep. team in the division is 500 or above. Uh, we can confidently say it's the best damn division in hockey, I'd say. Yeah. I definitely think it's it's that and then the North Division in hockey, but... I digress on that point. We've already talked how much we enjoy watching North Division games on multiple episodes earlier in this season. But The Battle of Alberta was so bland. It was just scoring. Yeah, but they have seven more appearances. Like That's only the first game. So it, it'll get more intriguing, I'm sure. And they need to wear their, they need to wear Blasty every damn game. Yeah, that is a gorgeous setup, especially so Jacob nice. Barkstrom's setup. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NHL schedule changes and they finally kind of showed us their plan of action for this season when dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. So we'll talk about that and more right after this break. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring advanced skin safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. 
free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawn Mower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. While the NHL has had some issues already with the COVID-19 pandemic, definitely more issues than they had last year during the return to play format, but it has been a lot of games missed and a lot of games postponed due to players and teams having issues with COVID-19. On Saturday, the NHL announced some schedule changes due to some cancellations last week, and eight of the games affected were Pittsburgh Penguins games. So the Penguins now, because of those, have no more than a one-day break in the entire final month of the season. It created four more back-to-backs on the Penguins schedule, and this is less than a month into a season. Like These are already the times and the time slots that are being taken up later in the season because of early season issues. The Penguins have only had three games canceled now, and it's all on the behest of the New Jersey Devils, who our games against them were canceled last Tuesday, last Thursday, and this upcoming Tuesday. And now all of a sudden, eight games are changed because of that, and also because the NHL mishandled the New Jersey Devils situation, and that caused the Buffalo Sabres to have to cancel games due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So they're definitely not handling this as well as they handled last year's playoffs. And I understand it's a lot more difficult whenever the players are not in a close-knit bubble with no outside interactions. But it seems like the way that they initially set up to fix the schedule is actually pretty intelligent. It's not easy for the players by any stretch, but it makes sense. The way that if you look at the eight games that were rescheduled for the Penguins, okay, one game moves back a day. This becomes three games in four days, but they get an extra game off on the backside of it. It seemed like, okay, this makes a little bit of sense. And then even more so, you look at the games on Saturday, you had four games postponed Saturday because of the COVID pandemic. Four in one day. And what they did with the Coyote and Blues game that ended up happening on Saturday was actually pretty intelligent. Colorado was supposed to play St. Louis on Saturday. That game got canceled because of Colorado. Arizona, Minnesota was supposed to be a game on Saturday. That game got canceled because of Minnesota's COVID issues. St. Louis and Arizona, they just, you know, you're going to play each other. We're going to cancel a game later down the road. That way you guys can make this up and open up a spot. Okay, that's cool. That's some nice maneuvering. But here's the problem. We are less than a month into the season, Horwat. Yep. And they're already running out of leeway. What do you think about the way the NHL has handled these COVID cancellations and kind of tried to alter the schedule at this point? I think they were preparing for something like this. I just get that kind of feeling. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of time open at the end of the month, at the end of the season, I mean, to fill in games in this sort of situation. It seemed like they were ready for something like this to happen, and they just kind of enacted on it. They said, all right, we know what we're doing. Now we just got to do it. Um, 
I don't know much. It seems, I mean, they're definitely handling it the worst so far. The Buffalo Sabres literally went to the NHL and said, hey, we don't want to play this team. They're having an issue. Nothing happened from it. Yeah. And now both teams have an issue. Well, guess what? That's on the NHL. At some point, the NHL's got to take a little responsibility for something like that. I don't know how the hell they'll do it, but I guess you'll figure something out some way, shape, or form. Bettman, Mr. Gary. I don't know. It's... I don't know much about it. I haven't been paying much attention other than knowing that uh, fantasy has been a damn nightmare this year. <laughs> Anyone who's playing fantasy hockey this year knows this is a nightmare. I am also winless in both my leagues. I'm placing blame partially on the NHL because they can't get their COVID shit together and because I had to pick last in both drafts. So, my team sucks. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the NHL has definitely handled it the worst out of all the sports leagues so far. I think that's an easy set statement to start with and that's going up against the mlb and the nfl who both just kind of said power through figure it out i mean now the nhl is doing the same thing but to a different extent i don't know and the issue being the nfl at least had a week in between games where yeah. it could say okay let's get some extra testing in figure out the false negatives we don't have to worry about pushing a game back too much and then they also had leeway on the back end like the only team that really got screwed in the nfl was actually the steelers but i I won't get into all of that but at the same time the nhl the way that they've handled this has kind of been like you mentioned the way they handled the new jersey devil situation was absolutely atrocious and i get they're trying to get all 56 games in for every single team because they need those that revenue from every televised game they need the revenue and i understand that but there's no way to me that they actually end up playing the full schedule. At least every team ends up playing the full schedule because if you keep having these issues in March in early April, you're not going to have the leeway, especially because there's an expiration date for the Stanley cup finals that NBC has already put on the NHL because of the Olympics. So you, you don't have an unlimited highway to keep pushing things down the road. You have, for all intents and purposes, a cliff you have that only you cannot so much, pass. You have only so much runway. Exactly. And we're going already. Like we gotta, we're already partially into it. Yeah. And the season started January 13th. It is, as we're recording this, February 7th, and they've already started using up those days. And a lot of them, not just a little bit. They've used up a lot of them. And it's not going to be easy for them to get back on track, especially if they keep doing things like they did in New Jersey, I, we keep saying that it's just Buffalo. Like you said, literally said, we don't feel safe playing this team right now. And now their 60 plus year old head coach, Ralph Kruger is sick with COVID-19. You can't mess with people's lives like this, especially in a global pandemic. And it sucks and it hurts the bottom line. And I understand that. And that's why we have ads everywhere during an NHL broadcast. We have ads on the helmets. I get that you're trying to get your money back, but do what you gotta you do. Just take the loss. Take the L because you're gonna take a bigger L on lawsuits if people start dying from this. Well, I mean, what was the headline before the season started? Bettman said that it was gonna be a net negative this year, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> and it like and not just a net negative, a big net negative. Mm-hmm. So we knew going in that teams teams, the league, were gonna be losing money. If you knew that, you know, you do what you can to recoup as much as you can. I get that. But if you knew going in 
that you were going to be losing money, the least you could have done is just... Make sure everybody was safe. Yeah. Take things seriously. Got, get a net positive in the morale booster situation. That Don't kind of just take your negatives and then get then piss off the NHLPA. Man, you guys oh. are you guys are lucky you you signed that contract before that happened. <laughs> yeah. It's the thing is the NHL handled last year's playoffs so well. And I already said, I didn't expect it to be zero positive tests like that happened because you have players at home, you have players that are on the road in different hotels and traveling. I get that. But stuff like negligence cannot be inserted into this situation. And that is what the NHL is kind of looking like at this moment. Now, there's still time to try to get everything back on track. The NHL has not had a massive issue yet. There have been pretty big issues, and it has messed with the schedule, and it has messed with people's health. But at this point, I don't think I've heard any serious cases up until this point. I mean, hopefully Ralph Kruger is okay because he is – a little bit more susceptible to getting sicker because of his advanced age, but other than Margot Rossi, but that one's not on the NHL. Yeah, that happened to him during World Juniors. Yeah, that it? was out of their hands, um, but that's the only severe negative that we've seen seen from it so far. Yeah, um, and we'll like you said, we'll see what happens with Kruger. That's the only one I can think of. I mean, that one sucks because he's nineteen. Yeah, not even that he's a great player; he's a kid. This effing virus, it was reason why it was my shout out or call out last week. It sucks, man. Don't we we can't predict it. We can't we're not gonna be able to contain it. We just kinda gotta fight it. Yep. And go from there. Yeah. Well, one last thing I wanted to mention about the Penguin schedule because of how crazy it actually is. Saturday night was the first of ten straight games where the Penguins will play only two different opponents, and that will extend throughout the rest of the calendar month of February. They will only be playing the New York Islanders and the Washington Capitals until March. Until literally the calendar flips to March. They will be playing two teams, and it is those two. Oh, yay. Well, if we can, if we can keep playing against the Islanders like we did, mm-hmm. those are bound to be A, fun games, and B, winnable games. The Capitals, on the other hand, hell, we fig- we've... We We're 2-0 did- against them this year. Yeah. I mean, they're 0-0-2, but... Hey, hey, four points is four points, and it's more than two. So, and again, those are always, always entertaining games. They're always blood pressure games. Oh, just everyone eat healthy in February, because your heart will thank you. Because it's yeah. also for the, for you saying that in February, next week. Uh, if oh, it won't be because games got canceled. Never mind, I take it back. I was going to say the Valentine's Day game against Washington should be Crosby's 1,000th game, but since cancellations and movements, it won't be. Well, it's still coming up, and we'll definitely have a it little bit of It should still happen this month, yeah. It's yeah, just... it'll happen this month, so it'll be either against the Islanders or the Capitals. It'd be a little bit more of a better storyline if it was against the Capitals, but I digress on that point. I just think that game was supposed to be an NBC game. Oh, yeah, that's probably not Sunday. Sunday against the Capitals on Valentine's Day. That was an that is NBC written all over it. Crosby's thousandth yeah. game too. But now with three games canceled, yeah. If that's it, um, I think it would just be the the next the following Saturday. I don't know who that game is against. 
again, either the Islanders or the Capitals. But you definitely got it there. (laughs) If you're looking for something positive to net yourself on this week leading up until Thursday night's game, if you need something positive in the Penguins hockey book, they're still undefeated at home. They're 4-0-0, so... It is something, but we're going to take another quick break. But when we come back, we're going to finish off this show with our weekly pens poll. Uh, you know what? I, I'm just I, so I, heated because of what, what you're telling me, because I, I do not want to live in a world, <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac, macaroni, as you call it. It's a substitute for KD. God. <laughs> oh my God! Go to go to Italy. If you ask, open some fucking no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is a fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country, with my co-host Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we've still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. This week's Pens Poll was a very interesting Pens Poll. I had complained last week that three straight were pretty much white washes for the Pens Poll. So I had to try to come up with something that was going to be a little bit closer. And thankfully, because of last week's debut of the reverse retro jerseys for the Penguins, there was a very close poll this week. The question was, what is your favorite current Pens jersey? There are four options here. And for the first time in three weeks or at least a month, all four had at least 10% of the votes. So congratulations to that. At least all four got a decent amount of votes. But it was kind of a surprising result. The Home Blacks got first place with 39% of the vote. The Reverse Retros, after just one game in the NHL, come in second place with 25%. The Gold Thirds, and this was my biggest surprise, the Gold Thirds had 22% of the vote, almost getting second place, but finishing in third. And the Road Whites come in last with only 14% of the votes. Horwat, were you surprised at all by the results of this poll? I voted for the Road Whites, so take that for what you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I did. I think just, I look at the black and I'm like, yeah, it's just another black jersey. Yeah, it's got a ton of yellow on it, and it looks cool. It looks great. Yeah, I just think white is cleaner. It's a much sleeker look, and and I just like the white more. That's just me. Um, It's hard to have a jersey discussion on just a podcast, and you can't see things. You can't use visual aids.
Yeah, but I feel like everybody listening knows what each we of these jerseys exactly look like. About, yeah. So it, it, it's not that hard. We don't have to really go into detail about what they look like. But, I mean, I, I voted for the home blacks. Okay. And I feel like the reason the home blacks are still the favorite among Penn's fans and at least our listeners is, remember back in 2015, 2016, whenever it was introduced, Pittsburgh Gold is back. Was, was, I believe, the marketing they went with it. Everybody loved that jersey. So much so that in the 2016 playoffs, they ended up using it as their home jersey. And then it officially became their full-on home jersey at the beginning of the 2016-2017 season when these road whites were also introduced. So all of these jerseys are only six years old, which is kind of kind of cool to think about. But... I'm not surprised about the reverse retros because everybody likes the diagonal print. Everyone and it's likes new. something new. Yep. Yeah, it, it's new. I was very surprised about the gold thirds. Although I do back up the gold thirds and I do say that I like them and I know you do not. I thought that they were easily going to come in fourth place. I just wanted to put them in there because, you know, they are a jersey for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. I thought the road whites were going to possibly be the winner of this poll. I like the home blacks, but I think the road whites, not only did they win the Stanley Cup in those road rights, which should automatically give it a little bit more clout. I thought more people liked it. I love my Crosby jersey that is that road white. I think those are one of the cleanest jerseys the Penguins have ever had. And I'm so shocked that it came in with only 14% of the vote here. Yeah, I need myself a, uh, a white one. I have the old, I got the old white one with the khaki, <laughs> the khaki gold. Um, Vegas gold, whatever you want to call it. It's khaki. Uh, and even those were pretty good. Those were pretty nice for what it's worth. And yeah, you, you may not have liked the the yellow or the gold that they had on it. But, I mean, white is just sleeker. I mean, when you get down to it, even the ones that were the triangle sort of side, I think the white ones of those were even nicer. So, when it comes to a white jersey is always nice. People want to bring back wearing white at home. I don't care. I don't care what you wear where. I mean, start start doing it like uh, the NBA where it's just whatever color is not the same as the other team you're playing, wear that <laughs> and roll with it. So I, I like the white. It's just my thing. I, I'm, like I said, I love the white. I'm not for making it the home jersey. But, I mean, what I said it last week, I think, you can only do so much. or you can the, the word mark can only go so long for me. Yeah, it's great that it's back it's cool that it's back we didn't want it though we wanted the actual robo pen not the word mark we wanted the word mark two years ago and now we got this eh, we're happy with it we love it we like it i think it's good that we're only gonna be wearing it this year because i think i would have grown old with it pretty quickly mm-hmm. especially if we continue to play like shit in it we'll <laughs> see how that goes hell we lose another bad game in that jersey we might not wear it for the rest of the season yeah, and I I loved the was a Winter Classic or Stadium Series jersey whenever we played the Chicago Blackhawks. Metallic, but after we got whitewashed in that game, I did not want to see that jersey ever again. That metallic gold that um, it looked okay. I have this jersey book that I'm pulling out to get a visual aid for myself. It looked okay, but um, yeah, we sucked in it. We literally only wore it in that game. That was it. Yeah, just because it's like the metallic, like shiny. Mm-hmm. 
It looked good. It's it, it looked good on the ice. The only problem was the Penguins didn't look good on the ice, and that's why I don't want to see it again. Now, when it comes to the Pittsburgh diagonal jersey, I thought they looked great. I don't think we need the black version of that. I think we can let let it lie where it is. I don't think we need to make that our everyday away jersey because I like I like the current road whites. I like the whole jersey setup the Penguins have right now as secondary jerseys and the gold and the diagonal and the other two as the primaries. I think we need to stick to that. And I also, I am not a fan of going back to white at home. I think dark jerseys at home look much better, but that's that's just my opinion and not, we'll roll with it. But again, the surprise of having the road whites finish in last place here being the only one to not garner 20% was a lot of a shock to me. But the, the fact that the home blacks won, especially considering I voted for it, wasn't as big of a shock. Yeah. Also, making the word mark the the permanent sec- or like away jersey, how many teams use different jer- different logos on their jersey from home and away games? There's not I, too many. I know the, Hur- the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, do now. Because they have canes. They do a word mark. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like the Capitals for a long time, they had two separate logos, not just like a word mark. They had the Screaming Eagle and then the Capitol building. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a combo, if you ask me, honestly. Whereas I'm trying to think of any that do it now. I don't think. I know there's teams where the color mm-hmm. has to be reversed. Yeah. Oh, the um. Sorry, excuse. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. now that Arizona does the Kachina more often, it, it switches. Yeah, that's just their jersey situation is still just weird. They're still trying to figure it out, I think. But I mean, like I know the Lightning logo, the colors are reversed when they go home and away because the yeah. way the jersey's designed. Because it's basically a vector logo. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of any other. So there's that, and only the Rangers, Hurricanes, and Penguins have a word mark right now, right? I'm not exactly sure if that's true or not i think it's just those three but uh i digress on that but let's finish talk, ladies and gentlemen th- th- this is a lot of jersey talk but let's finish it off really quickly we already know what you voted for and you voted for the road whites we know that i voted for the the home blacks horat rank these four jerseys for me road whites number one i'm gonna put the reverse retro in two just because it is white it is clean Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I'm not bagging on it. I do like the jersey a lot. We can only go so far with it, but um, I only like a black jersey so much. So I got to give that one, the, the home jersey, a three. And you knew I was going to put the yellow one at four. And it's not that I don't like it. I mean, it has grown on me a lot. It's just I hate the penguin without the triangle. I really do. And it's just a lot of yellow. I think it i think it you could have done something cool with the yellow i also forgot about the yellow helmets that look horrendous with it <laughs> imagine the ppg whenever that comes out yeah no the yellow <laughs> helmets look horrendous with it but um i just think it looks way too much like the stadium series uh jerseys whenever they wore the yellow ones for that the ones from Heinz Field yeah, that's what they based it off of, and I think they would have been better off just to leave Keep it that. as it was. Because the big old City Field. of Champions patch on the side was the best part of it. Yeah, that was definitely the best part. Mine is Home Blacks, number one, Road Whites, number two, Reverse Retros, number three, and Gold Thirds, number four. Nothing against, like you said, nothing against the Gold Thirds. I think they're great, but it's more of a thing that... I like the other three more, not that I dislike the Golds. I think the Penguins have four great jerseys to me. I I enjoy all of them. And yes, 
the Robo Pen is a great jersey. I have the Mario Lemieux one. I'm not sure if I necessarily want to see it again. Oh, well, you're maybe as a one-off for it for it for a stadium series, but also I don't want to see the Penguins in a stadium series for a long time either. So that is a hot take. I know there's going to be people that come, come out for me that I don't want to see the robo pen for a little while, but other than the fact that it's on our logo, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Horwat, any last words for our fans before we let them go for the beginning of the week? Go ahead. Just bash that penguin logo, bash that penguin logo. Oh wait, it's our logo. Okay. It's partially our logo. And it, it works with ours. I just, I don't hate it. I like the logo. Don't don't get me wrong. I like the yeah, logo, yeah, yeah. but I like the way the Penguins have gone now. And I feel like the Robo Pen and the Penguin, the skating Penguin that they have now, are are too similar. And it would just, I don't know. It'd be weird. Hey, I just say keep the triangle behind it. That's my only request. I there you go. I just don't like. But, yeah, go ahead. Finish <laughs> no, it off. You just don't like what? I just don't like it just without the triangle. I think it's the whole essence of the logo, especially considering it is the pop of color in it. That's fair. But go ahead. You don't need a pop of color when it's all gold. But I, I digress. Let's finish this off this episode. It's kind of been a shitstorm the last two minutes. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.